Good morning, church. I always wanted to do this like this swift. It sounds so. I think it's all sad. Good morning, you all. Praise the Lord for this. And if you can, open your Bible and Psalm 27. I'm going to preach on verse 4, which Emily and Jonathan just sang. Psalm 27, verse number 4. says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And this morning, the sermon title is, The One resolution for 2023 and I want you to think about it I'm sure you have thought about this year that has just come and people here in America and Brazil it's no different they like doing some resolutions whether good one whether bad ones and actually I have here a slide that kind of shows That was supposed to be there. It jumped to the end. Oh, let's come back here. Close your eyes, Ventura. <laughs> Rehearsal of the sermon. Or you can just pick the in the laptop. I think it's quicker, perhaps. I hope it works. There you go. The top U.S. New Year's resolutions for 2022. So people coming to this year that has just passed. What are the resolutions people have? To exercise more. To eat healthier. Man, I have just sinned yesterday. Thanks to the prices. I'm not healthier. You say what? Junk food? Oh, man. Taquitos, corn dogs, chicken bites, stuff like that. <laughs> to lose weight. Man, I think the top three are just the same in different situations, right? <laughs> to spend more time with family and friends. That's awesome, right? To live more economically. To spend less time on social media. To reduce stress on the job. Oh, that's a hard one. To quit smoking. Yeah, you can say. So what about 2023? There was a survey held on November 2022 for the next year. And surprise, it's kind of the same. It's the same every single year. To exercise more, to eat healthier, to lose weight, to save more money. To spend more time with family, friends, to spend less time on social media, to reduce stress on the job, to reduce the spending on living expenses. It's basically something like this. Every single year, the same resolutions, and when you see you don't match the standard, you just add something less. Like, lose weight. No, let's lose some weight. 
and some way again, or just try, or give up alcohol. No, let's just drink less. I just can't. Get in shape. No, get in better shape. Quit smoking. It's like a highlight. And try to keep my resolutions. And I think, brothers and sisters, this morning, King David, or God himself in Scripture, gave us a better resolution, or what I call the one resolution, not only for 2023, but for our lives, for every single day, which is the scripture we just read. One thing have I asked the Lord. One thing, what? That I will seek after. I will do this by God's way, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him. I want you guys this morning to meditate on this verse. What is this one thing David thinks is the only thing we ought to have and seek after? What, what he means by I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What does David mean by saying to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? What is the beauty of the Lord? How do you define the beauty of the Lord and what it means to inquire in his temple? One resolution for 2023, and the sermon basically will follow two propositions, which is King David, the human after God's heart. You remember that, right? Had the Lord as his greatest treasure. And the question I want all of us to ask ourselves is, is that true about us? Is the Lord our greatest treasure? Really? King David, the human after God's heart, but also Jesus Christ, our Lord, the God with human heart, is the Lord's greatest treasure. King David, the human after God's heart, had the Lord as his greatest treasure. And Jesus Christ, fulfilling better than David for us, is the Lord's greatest treasure and must be ours as well. So let's just try to follow first King David. What scripture says about David's relationship with the Lord and how scripture describes David? First, we have here Acts 13, verse 22. You see, it's God himself saying, David is the man after my heart. It's not David saying about himself. It's not others saying this about David. It's the Lord speaking about David, saying, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. What does it mean? He will do all my will. A man after God's heart. What a privilege and what a burden. What a responsibility. Because it's all about the heart. If you read the scripture in Second Chronicles, there was a great king called Amaziah. And see what scripture says about him. Was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Yet not with a whole heart. 
It's all about the heart. You can do all things right in the eyes of the Lord, but perhaps you're not doing with all of your heart. And that's the difference in King David's heart. You can see scripture saying, with my whole heart, I seek you. My whole heart. It's not just doing the right things every week, every day, every Sunday, doing what a Christians are supposed to do. It's doing that and even more with our hearts entirely. Scripture even says, I said to the Lord, David, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. Wow. What does it mean saying to the Lord, you are my Lord? It means you have no good apart from God. Do you, Ventura? No good at all apart from the Lord? This is David. And he says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Do you see how many things he's saying about the Lord? And it's just interesting for me, like being a pastor in Brazil, part of a pastor's job is to teach people how to pray. And people come and say, how can I pray better? And suddenly they are speaking in the common language with me. But when they start to pray, it's a formal language. Lord of heaven, blessed be your name. And started using even some King James version in the prayer. But anyway, see, the, see David praying. He started just saying, I love you, Lord. Have you prayed like that? Lord, I, I just want to say I love you. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. You are my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. And just speaking your love about the Lord and what the Lord means to you. This is a prayer. David is showing a heart for the Lord. And he even says in Psalm 119, Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Wow. Every single day, every moment of the day, remembering the Lord and loving the Lord and just praising the Lord for who he is. But also, perhaps you're thinking, yeah, but David was not that righteous guy. All his life. But that's not the point of the Christian life. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. None of us are, right? Right? But see, David, even when he is repenting and confessing his sin, he says, Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. I don't want to be Without you, Lord, restore to me what? My Christian life or my position? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. 
Here's the secret of the Christian. Not a perfect heart, but a broken heart before the Lord. Being a Christian doesn't mean you will not sin. You will. It means you don't like to sin anymore because you love the Lord. And you know how sin is bad. David had a heart for the Lord. And through all of his singing, praying, meditating, it's just a demonstration of how the Lord was his greatest treasure. That's all. All his singing, all his spring, all his meditating, all his writing, composer, singer. It's showing how the Lord was his greatest treasure. You see, Deuteronomy says in chapter 17, when the king sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law. What law? The law of Moses, approved by the priests. And the king, this book shall be with him, and she, he shall read it in all the days of his life. Read what? Scripture, the law of Moses, the Old Testament, it shall be read and he shall learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. So if you're a king in Israel, before you come to the throne, you have to go to the temple and you have to pick the scripture and a book of yourself and write all of the book. For your own. So you can have a copy in your house. So you can read every single day. And meditate on the word. So that you can learn what? To fear the Lord. To love the Lord. By reading scripture. By getting to know the Lord. And perhaps you're saying. Wow. That's kind of a job. Right? You have. It's mandatory. You have to read scripture every single day. But let's see how David used to do that. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Perhaps you say, I, I don't like honey. Man, that's sugar of that day. That's sugar. And he's saying, all that is sweet in this earth, the Lord is better. You know, every kid, when he, he or she started to learning how to write Hebrew, they used a pen, a wood pen. And on the top of that, it was honey. And he was writing the name of the Lord for the first time with honey so that the kid would know that what he is writing is so sweet about the Lord that he should enjoy and delight on this forever, all the days of this kid's life. Wow. And David's saying that, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. Just one thing. Pick one thing. What is the one thing you want the Lord for this year, for your life? If it's not the Lord himself, 
It's vanished. It's nagim. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You see, he's captivated. Lord is captivating David's heart for his beauty. The Lord is so great, so high exalted, so beautiful that I can't help but surrender to him. How? Through scripture and prayer, but also in the temple. What about David's relationship with the tabernacle and when the temple was built by Solomon? Scripture says a lot about this. For example, the, David writing Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It makes me happy. Seeing the Lord, the house of the Lord, the presence, the place where the Lord is showing himself. I want to be there. There's no place on earth better than that. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him, reached his ears. The Lord listened to us, and he listens to us. He hears our voice from his temple, so I want to be there. That's David. Remember, O Lord, this is Psalm 132. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. What? I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Wow. I will not sleep. I will not enter my house. I will have no rest until the Lord is my treasure, until the Lord has a place. And he's talking, obviously, about bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. But more than that, he's talking about bringing God's presence to his life and to the people's lives. You all know Neil Armstrong better than me, right? In 1969, he was the first man, what? Stepping on the moon. In 1994, actually, when I was born, he went to Jerusalem to take a trip and get to know Israel and Jerusalem. And he was with a guide, and they were in the, the place where it's still there, the steps where he used to enter the temple of Israel, which is destroyed. And Neil Armstrong was just talking with this guy, tour guy. And he was like, man, do you think these are actually the stones of like 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago? And he was like, yeah, sure. King David stepped on these stones. And if you're a Christian, Neil, Jesus surely was here. And he was like, 
man, I got to tell you, I feel more excited stepping on this stones than when I stepped on the moon. Because the Lord was here. And the Lord is all to me. You see that? This is the feeling David had. A feeling for the Lord, a passion, a desire, a delightment, a wondrousness, and all. Oh, the Lord is great. He is my treasure. Do we have this? Have we lost that? I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes. You know how hard is this. Especially moms, nursing kids. I will not sleep because this kid is not letting me. No, there's something greater here for David. I, I just can't, I can't sleep because I have to found the Ark of the Covenant. I got to bring it back to Israel. We need God's presence. If we don't have God's presence, what is life? What is sleeping? What is being alive? What is breathing without the Lord? Oh, Lord, David's saying again, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. King David had it all, all the treasures, all the gold, all the silver, but he prefers the Lord. Do you? Do you this morning? Then all the people departed each to his house. And finally, when the Ark of the Covenant was inside the tabernacle again, then David went to his home and blessed his household. Only then. He had a palace for himself, but he was like, man, that's not right. The Lord deserves more. The Lord deserves better. And he even helped on building the temple later. Look at what scripture says. And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great. Why? Because this palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the wood, besides great quantities of all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that, I have provided for the holy house. I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver. And because of what? Because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. You see the language, the house of my God. It's very personal. It's better than any treasure. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, of our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. 
Yours is the kingdom, not mine, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we give thanks to you, our Lord, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer this to you willingly? For all things come from you. And notice that. All of your own hand we have given. Have you noticed that everything you offer to the Lord, whether it's a prayer, whether it's an offering of money or helping someone else, it is the Lord that gave it to you. You're just giving it back. All belongs to the Lord. He's the Lord of all. That's David's prayer before the temple was built. The offering. King David, the human after God's heart, had the Lord as his greatest treasure. But there's one better than David. Better than this? Yeah, much better. Jesus Christ. Our Lord, the God with human heart, is not a human after God's heart. He is the God with human heart. Not only Jesus had the Lord as his greatest treasure, but he is the Lord's greatest treasure. So let's look at Jesus' life. But who better than David himself prophesying? through the Spirit to us about this coming Jesus. Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it's written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. David could say this about himself, but only in a level. He's prophesying about Jesus, who is the perfect son of David, who is perfect to do God's will entirely. And God's law, it's not within Jesus' heart. Jesus is the law of God. Do you notice that? It's quoted in Hebrews chapter 10. But also, this psalm that was sang during the weddings of the kings of Israel David is prophesying about Jesus. It's quoted again in Hebrews chapter 1. My heart overflows with a pleasing thing. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of man. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. This is our Savior. This is Jesus, the most handsome of the sons of men. There's no one better than Jesus, more glorious. He must be our treasure. He is God's treasure. But let's see Jesus' life, how Jesus acted, how Jesus prayed, how Jesus went to the synagogue, to the temple. Let's just see Jesus' devotion for God. 
and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. You know, brothers and sisters, this kind of texts, these verses, are not saying, you see, Jesus is doing this, so you have to do this as well. These verses are saying, you see, Jesus can do what you cannot do. He loves the Lord God entirely with his own heart. We can't. That's why we need Jesus. Because he can. And he loves the Lord with all his heart, all his strength, all his mind, all of his soul. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, what he was praying even then. He's all the time praying. He loves the Lord. I said that in my first sermon here in August, in the missionary emphasis. Why did Jesus pray much? He's God. Does he lack anything? Oh, Father, please, I really need this. Give it to me. That's not the point. He's praying because praying is fellowship with God. He loves God the Father so much that he couldn't be away from him. That's why we pray, or at least that's why we are supposed to pray. Because we love the Lord, right? It's not about a quantity of time, one hour, three hours, one minute. I love you, Lord, my strength. That verse is just two minutes. Jesus loved the Lord. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. That's just shocking to me. Because the disciples could have asked the Lord, Lord, teach us to preach. But no. They asked, Lord. Teach us to pray. Can, can, can you imagine that scene? The disciples staring at Jesus, and Jesus is praying, and the disciples are so over, are so shocked. They're so, the eyes are so brilliant. They're just waiting for the Lord to finish his prayer and say, Lord, please, we want to pray like you. Because there's so much devotion. And perhaps you're like, how can I know how Jesus prayed? You can read John chapter 17. There's the priest's intercession of Jesus for you. You can learn how to pray as Jesus. But the point is not just learning. It's about seeing how he loved the Lord and learned this. And then you can learn how to pray. You'll never learn how to pray if you don't learn how to love the Lord. You won't. Jesus prayed because he loved the Lord. But also, Jesus had a tremendous life of prayer. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with 
loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Loud cries and tears. See, there's a real man. Jesus is a real man, a God man praying to the Lord. He's not faking prayer so that he can teach the disciples. He is praying with all his heart. One thing have I asked the Lord that I will set after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David prayed this, and Jesus requested this as well. That's Jesus' desire, to live eternally with God the Father and also bringing all his people to the presence of the Lord so that they can see the beauty of the Lord. That's salvation. But Jesus had a great relationship with God in the temple. That's the part important in the verse. Jesus used to go to the temple even as a kid. Why were you looking for me? You remember this? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus was 12 years old here. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. A 12-year-old kid teaching the masters and praying as Jesus did. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and was as was his costume. He went to the synagogue on the Shabbat day and he stood up to read. Read what scripture? It was his custom every single week going to the synagogue, reading God's word. And he's God. You notice that? It is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And he was speaking about the temple of his body. No, wait a minute. That's the shocking part. Jesus is not only fulfilling the psalm we've just read, going to the temple or having the desire to go and live in the temple all the days of his life. He is the temple. He is the place of God's presence. Revelation says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, came, coming down out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. The Jews was reading then and saying, Okay, there's a temple in the new Jerusalem. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. Jesus is the temple. Brothers and sisters, we don't need as new Armstrong to go to Jerusalem and feel this emotion about the temple, which is not there anymore. Because we have the temple. It's Jesus. We are in Christ. We are in the temple. And even Paul says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Here is the temple of God dwelling in man and among men. It's not this floor. It's not the walls. It's people gathering together to praise God. The temple is here. Jesus' presence through the Spirit. We have this. We don't need to go to Jerusalem. We don't need to wait three times a year to wait for the feast, the Passover, the Tabernacles feast. We can have it every single day. Wow. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. <gasps> That's a lot here, Paul. <laughs> to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What does he mean? The glory of God is, is stamped in Jesus' face. Do you want to see the glory of God? It's Jesus. And what is the glory of God? We have a lot of sermons this past weeks about the glory of God, his mercy and justice together. But the word glory in Greek is just a strange word. It means weight. And the question is, what is God's weight? Can you calculate it? All the weight of God, who God is, all his attributes, all his works, the sum of it, God's glory. And all God's glory is in the face of Jesus Christ. Scripture even says he is the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. This is your Savior. This is your Lord. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Can you imagine that, brothers and sisters? John the Apostle's Feeling the Lord with his hands, seeing with his eyes, contemplating, touching, smelling, hearing the Lord in person, the God in Jesus Christ in human flesh. That's our Lord. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Where is the house of the Lord? It's Christ. <laughs> that I may dwell with him. Or better, that Christ may dwell in me. That's the prayer of the apostle. This is the eternal life, Jesus says, that you know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is the point of this text? All through eternity, there's one thing we'll be doing. Getting to know more of Christ. Christ is eternal. You can never reach an end of knowledge. And knowledge, brothers and sisters, is not, not just intellectual knowledge. He's speaking about knowledge. Getting to know the Lord just like Adam and Eve got to know each other, and a baby was born. 
It's experiential knowledge, getting to know who God is for all eternity. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. If you love the Lord, and if you want to get to know the Lord throughout eternity, there's nothing on earth that can satisfy you. Eating healthier is great. It's awesome. It's not a bad resolution. Losing weight, awesome. Spending less time on internet, social media, awesome as well. But these are only symptoms of our disease. They're not the disease. We need to know the Lord. Do we want it to love the Lord? Is the Lord our greatest strategy? Because if he is, you will read more of scripture. You will pray more. And I just love, I received, because I have Sabrina's email on my phone, and I just received some of the women email about reading the Bible through a year. And some of us have just lost it. We don't give importance anymore to like reading every single day. But at the same time, it can be dangerous. Perhaps you finish your plan, and you're like, man, I'm awesome. I have read the Bible every single day in 2023. I'm just kicking it. No, that's not the point. If you read Scripture today with all your heart, just one verse, it's better than reading the whole Bible throughout a year without your heart. Do we know that? Your life is hidden within Christ and God. I pray that God may dwell in your hearts. And I could go on and on and on and on. A voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. The Lord God the Father is saying, all my delightment is in my Son. The God of all creation, the God of the universe is saying, all my contentment, all my delightment is in Him. And sometimes you say, you know, Christ isn't enough for me. I need this. I'm sad because I don't have money. I don't have this job and I don't have this house. My son are... If you have Christ, you have all. God is saying that, right? Whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I'm not questioning if you love the Lord. Perhaps you love, but do you love the Lord in the way the Lord wants to be loved? If you love father or mother or son or daughter or anything else more than the Lord, you're not worthy of me. That's heavy. Let's finish it up. Throughout the Bible, it has pleased the Lord to reveal glimpses of his beauty, giving more and more of himself to his people. Then finally, Christ came and brought the fullness of God to us as never before. Once this treasure is found, people can't help but to surrender everything to God. 
But behold, the question that you ask. Who or what is your treasure? Do you have a heart for God? Is your heart crying for more this morning? Do you want to taste that the Lord is good? This morning, today, the Lord is calling everyone. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and will be, you will delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. For those who believe, not those who are perfect, those who believe, those who are needy, there is plenty, more than enough. To offer. This is eternal and abundant life. The eternal destiny of God's people. Not only 2023, not 2022, not 2024. The eternal destiny of God's people, you, is to get to know and taste more and more and more and more of God's glory in Christ Jesus, our most beautiful Savior. So if you haven't, let us start today. Seeking the Lord and being satisfied in Him. And may the Lord bless your 2023 with more of Christ in your singing, praying, and Bible reading. Let's have a time of prayer and we'll finish with a benediction. Scripture says to all of us, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. God bless you all.